its way around the room and the little, we're going to kind of multitask. Can we do that? Is that okay? Some, somebody help us stay on track with sign-ups and this and that. But I just have a question for you today. You know, as the basket's going around, the sign-up sheets are going around, the things that have been said, you know, what, what, what are you thinking? What are you thinking right now? Where's your brain? <laughs> Where's your thoughts? Do you want to know the statistics? There's a, there's a book written. You can read it. There's a fresh wind blowing in the House of Islam is the name of the book. So uh, people tracked... The, the movement of Muslims to following Jesus, and what they were looking for were groups of 1,000 Muslims following Jesus. That, that was kind of a movement in the Muslim world. From 600s, when, when Islam was founded to 2,000, they found one group of 1,000 that began to follow Jesus in that history. From 2000 to 2014, they found 75 groups of 1,000 following Jesus. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. So that's something you're thinking about. Well, there really is no generally accepted definition of what thought is or how it is created. So let's just assume that a thought is a sporadic single idea, cognitive concept resulting from the act of thinking or produced by spontaneous systems level cognitive brain activations. Okay? Let's just, let's just, and so then the question is, how many thoughts does the average person have every day? How many, how many thoughts go through your brain on average every day? Anybody want to take a guess? Katie, you have way too many right now because you're getting married in a week. (laughs) Matt, Matt has not having so many because he's just stunned that he's getting married in a week. (laughs) <laughs> any guess we got millions over here billions, How, billions? Yeah. wow that's a busy brain who said that <laughs> well you're writing your dissertation what else do you expect of course you have billions of thoughts and some of them are getting down on paper and I can't wait to read it On, av- on average, we have 60 to 70,000 thoughts per day. And I wondered about that because what Paul writes in Philippians 4, 6 to 8, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. As Paul makes this list, you know, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, he's going through the whatevers. When he gets to the if, what he's really actually doing is elevating. He's not questioning, is there any moral excellence? Is there anything where he's really saying everything that is, whatever is is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, everything that is, 
of moral excellence or glorious or a testimony to the wonders and power of God. Whatever is, everything that is worthy of praise, think about these things. So then that really kind of raises another question for me. How many of our daily 60 to 70,000 thoughts are true, real, genuine, honorable, just, pure, pleasing, commendable, morally excellent, worthy of praise? What do we think about day by day? What do we ponder? What do we let our mind dwell on? And then really what it comes down to, what what difference does it really make? To even ask these questions. Paul goes on to write... What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, keep on doing these things. Keep on thinking these things. Keep on doing these things. The things that you've learned through instruction from Paul the teacher. The things that you all have agreed are true. You've accepted them. The things that have been reported to you about me and about this message the things that you've caught sight of by experience through spiritual and mental perception, what are you doing? What are you thinking and what are you doing? I mean, they just I just hear them say, do something with your faith. Put your faith into practice. Busy yourself with deeds that come from your faith. So he's really, he's connecting two things. Think and do. Think about these things. Do these things. And the real question is, it's not so much getting into the detail of what, okay, well, what is true? What is, I mean, no, let's not even go there. We're going to let the Holy Spirit help us down that path. But my, my thing today is, to what end? Why is there such, why is there this appeal? Think about these things, do these things, to what end? To what end? It's motivation. What motivates us to do that? Why would we be interested in that? It's because he says, think about these things, do these things, and then the result The outcome is the God of peace will be with you all. We invite the presence of the God of peace to be right here with us when we agree to think this and do this. When we stop thinking this and encouraging thinking this and doing this, And stop encouraging doing this. God of peace says, I can't be with y'all right now. There's going to be some distance between us. 
Would, would, I, would, would you just, I don't even know how to say this, but I'm going to do the best I can. We are people who follow Jesus, and when we come together as a group like this, we're called church, ecclesia. And we're, we're one of many. I mean, we've got many in town. We've got many in the state. Lots in the nation. This goes on now. There's lots of groups like us. But what is so, so unique about who we are, if we get what is being told to us, is we are genuinely the only people that God, the God of peace says, you know, I want to be right in the midst of you. And I'm asking you to think this way, and I'm asking you to do this, and therefore we're going to, we're going to meet together. And I don't, I don't think that God, it's not that God writes, he doesn't, I mean, he's visiting the Muslim world where, where there's not really the evidence of a church. So I'm not saying that he's not busy other places, but you and I as people that walk through the doors of what's called a church building, God's saying something incredible to us. And when you and I get home alone, and we start going down these paths of thinking that are not productive. We start going down these paths of doing that are not productive. You know what? You're messing with my relationship with God. If we're connected in this thing called community, if we're not in this, if we're not in this thinking together and we're not in this doing together, then we're messing up our relationship with God. Now, I would like to take responsibility for me. (laughs) I need to be thinking these things and doing these things for the benefit of all of us. But it's not just me. Hello. It's all of us. Then if you start, well, what does it mean that he's the God of peace? What does that mean? So let's go on just a little adventure. It's Shalom. In the Old Testament, peace does not denote a spiritual, emotional attitude of inward peace. So we're not just talking about God coming into the midst of us and we feel good. Oh, man, it's great. Peace. It's not about that. And notice, the next one, it's not individualistic, but an emphatically social concept. Where does our culture take us? Our culture takes us into the feel good about me, and it takes it to me. Our culture is extremely addicted to individualistic stuff. And to blank with you. The Bible does not take us there. The culture of the Bible never takes us there. It's never about me to the exclusion of you. It's always about us. And the peace is about something that God wants to bring to us together. It is one of the few Old Testament words that... that that bears both the common use and at the same time it's filled with concentrated religious content. 
What's the greeting in Israel today? Shalom. What's the greeting on Friday in Israel? Shabbat Shalom. So Shalom as a greeting, that's common. It was in the, it's in the rabbinic literature. It's in the New Testament. That's, but then it, Shalom gets much bigger because it's the gift of Adonai, the Lord. It's a term used in the prophets with some impreciseness, and it ranges from the concrete well-being to the more obvious peace to the theologically comprehensive salvation. It's all wrapped up in shalom. It is an element of eschatological expectation. Eschatological means last things. The Jew and the Christian have a hope, a future hope. We believe that God is going to intervene. He's going to do something. There's a preferred future. Expectation of a final state of eternal peace is an element in Old Testament eschatology which finds constant expression in the prophets and the other writings. In the New Testament, you might consider peace as salvation in a deeper sense. Peace indicates the eschatological salvation, the salvation at the end, our future salvation of the whole person, which is, read those words, already present. Not in fullness. The fullness of the future is not here yet. But the taste, an installment of where we're going in the future is here now. As the power of God. It denotes the state of the new creation as the state of definitive fulfillment. My folks, if you are in Christ, you are a new creature. That means what you're going to become in the future has already begun. In this sense, salvation has been revealed in the resurrection of Jesus. New (laughs) has begun. So when our thoughts and our deeds align with the kingdom of God, think these things, do these things, bring your thoughts and bring your deeds into alignment with the rule of God, the kingdom of God, we begin to experience in the present, in some measure, our future salvation. The rule of Jesus, our king, on the earth. And when we choose to not think these things, we choose not to do these deeds, then we're not experiencing that future. And we can lose hope. And we can think, well, nothing's ever going to change. And we can start hating. And we can just go down this path. If we lose sight of this God of peace, this God of salvation in our midst because we're thinking and doing this. 
Let me try to say it in some other ways. Our minds are being renewed. That's part of the new creation. Our thoughts are being renewed. All 60 to 70,000 could be renewed in a day. We're in that process. Along with the restoration of our deeds. You and I were created to do good. (laughs) I know doing good doesn't save me. I get that. But once I am saved, you better believe I better start doing good. And if I don't start doing good, what what in the world has happened in my life? It makes no sense. The church poo-poo's doing good. What what are you poo-pooing doing good for? It's an evidence that there's a God who saved us to do good. He's restoring us. When he created that, what did Adam do in the garden? Good deeds. He did good in the garden. He worked. God's restoring this dignity of work. It's incredible. Renewing our minds, restoring our deeds, and the result of that is God with us on the earth with present experiences of the coming new creation. Do you get that? Do you hear me? Do you hear me? I'm trying to communicate what I, I think this is what the Bible's communicating to us. Yes, I'm interpreting. God with us. Not God out there somewhere. Not God out there will come to you someday. God with us in the room on the earth with present day experiences of the coming new creation. Now folks, if that doesn't motivate us to think these ways and do this, I don't know what I don't know what's going to wake us up. We have a preferred future that we get installments of it now. Incredible. This is one of the prayers I pray. My, my trouble more, is more the thought part of this than the deed part of it. Or maybe it's really both and I just live in denial. I don't know. But this is a prayer I want us to pray today. Because I really want us to think these things. So whenever one of those 60 to 70 thoughts come into my head that I know they are not in sync with Jesus. And if they keep recurring, which they do. I've just turned 2 Corinthians 10 into a prayer. And the prayer is Lord Jesus and I'm not thinking about Lord Jesus out there somewhere way up. I'm Jesus. Lord Jesus. Help right here. Jesus. Lord Jesus. Take every thought captive. Make every thought obedient to you by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're like me, I'll pray that at one stoplight and I'll go to the next stoplight and that thought's back. And you know what I do? Lord Jesus, take every thought captive. 
and make it obedient to you by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I go to the next stoplight, and guess what? And guess what? It starts over the next day. This is the only way, I mean, to hold on and to keep praying until that thought, those thoughts are renewed. But see, I got to participate. And in some ways, I got to like doggedly participate. And now I kind of understand better why. Because I really want us and our bigger family to experience in the today, in the present, as much as God wants to give us of our future, to taste of the powers of the age to come. See, I think that is what keeps us on track. If we're not tasting of our future in the present, we can give up. So would you like to stand with me? Holy Spirit, I simply want to invite you into our thoughts. As your word says, you see our heart. You see the core of who we are and you know our thoughts. You also say, who who can understand? And it's only you, Lord, that can understand our thoughts. So, Holy Spirit, I invite you to come. Come into our brain. Come into our thoughts. Come and be that, in a sense, that filter that you begin to sort out those sixty to 70,000 thoughts a day. So that we begin to see that, okay, that thought is true. That, that thought is real. That thought is genuine. That thought is honorable. That's, that thought is moral. That thought is commendable. That thought is worthy of praise. Or do you want us to think in these categories, in these ways, and you want to take every thought captive? And you want to make every thought obedient to you? Well, that's 60 or 70 thoughts a day. So, Holy Spirit, I'm inviting you into our thoughts because I believe that as you sort through our thoughts, then you can begin to motivate us in what we do. So, Lord, I'm asking you today, I'm asking you to renew our minds, and as you renew our minds, that you would restore our deeds and that we become known as people that do good. We do good, and it's recognized And we understand we're we're not earning our salvation. It's just the dignity of who we are as people to do good because of a good God is being restored to us. 
And so, Lord, as we go down this path, thinking these things and doing these things, O God of peace, God of our salvation, God of our ultimate destination, God who will restore all of creation to what it was before the fall, but even better, O God, be with us now. Be with us in this moment. Be with us in this place on the earth. And fill our lives with shalom, with well-being, with hope, with taste after taste of the age that is coming. Holy Spirit, I ask that what you activate today, that you'd bring back tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. Lord, that we would realize just the incredible opportunity that you give us as humans to live in relationship with our Creator and our Savior. Today. Today. And so it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray.